welcome to the podcast at thatguitarlover.com. I'm Ross Chevalier. Hey folks, in my final episode for 2023, I want to look back at some of the gear that I tried, ideas that I found, and tools that I've adopted that made 2023 a year for guitarists and bassists. And by year, I mean a great year. I had some wonderful opportunities to try out gear during the year, some of which I bought, some that left me feeling, eh, and some that inspired me to do something different. So, let's take a look. I finally replaced my long-soled Epiphone Sheraton with a Sheraton 2 Pro, while I also own a Gibson 335 and multiple Gibson 355 guitars, I remain convinced that the Sheraton 2 Pro is the best out-of-the-box semi-hollow that you can find in terms of playability, quality, and value for the money. I say this because when I pick it up and play it, I do so for longer than with other guitars of a similar type. Earlier in the year, I picked up a Laney LA Studio amp based on a recommendation from another player whom I trust. It's an all-tube critter of a nice, usable level of volume and has a built-in, terrific DI-to-desk capability. It's very simple, does clean to dirty, is a wonderful pedal platform, and has four inputs, so jumping the high and low channels like we did back in the day, is very easy. And despite some really awesome amp plugins that I use this year, I find that I use the Laney LA Studio for direct-to-desk more than my other amps. The IRs that come with it are also excellent to use when recording. I tried out a Fender Brad Paisley Esquire. And while I like the Esquire concept, in fact, I've always wanted an Esquire. I really didn't like the build quality of that particular model. I found the quality lousy and the price too high. However, I liked the idea, and when it worked, I liked the sound. So I turned to Seymour Duncan for the pickups that were in the Brad Paisley, or at least one of them, and got two Seymour Duncan pickups and a brand new scratch plate with some new pot and switch gear and did a conversion on my early 1990s made in Japan 50s Telecaster, converting it into an Esquire using the same methodology as on the Paisley. The made in Japan Telecaster has a much nicer deep V neck and the fret finish was always excellent whereas the made in Mexico Paisley needed a lot of work but before it could become really a comfortable player. I got to an Esquire that is actually more than an Esquire, and for a lot less cash, and on, frankly, a far superior instrument that cost a lot less. After hearing some decent samples, I bit the bullet on the Soldano SLO Mini. Now, this is a solid-state mini amp built by the team at Boutique Amplifiers out in California. 
have since added their Bogner, which is really good, and their Friedman, don't like that one, but find myself firing up the tiny Soldano regularly. It sounds like a Soldano should, but without the substantial cost, or size, or the weight. What's interesting is I've had other people try it out. They've all been blown away, and everyone who has tried one has bought one because they're so cost-effective, and yet still absolutely giggable. I was challenged to do a real-world comparison between a Gibson Les Paul Special and the Epiphone Les Paul Special. Let's say that the challenger had an expectation going into this. After a fair bit of work, I found that in every possible case, the Epiphone blew the Gibson right out of the water. The only possible exception was the paint where the Gibson's TV yellow was translucent and the Epiphone's TV yellow was opaque. Given that I could save, and did, $1,700 and got better playability and sound overall, the Epiphone is clearly the winner. Let's say that the person who challenged me came out surprised. I would have had to put hours of work and a couple of hundred dollars in material upgrades into that Gibson just to make it almost equivalent to the Epiphone. We hear that built in America is always better than built in China. Not in this case, and frankly, not in a lot of other cases where I did this similar kind of work. We lost a lot of great musicians in 2023, and one of them was the great Gordon Lightfoot. His passing inspired me to look for a 12-string hummingbird. I looked at the Gibson option. I can't afford that. And so when I happened on a demo slash used Epiphone version, well, I had to go try it. It's a killer guitar and gets regular play. While the piezo pickup that's built in is not awesome, I'm not surprised because most piezo pickups make my teeth hurt. However, for recording and amplified play, I do have a standard solution that I've written about for piezo-equipped guitars that works every time. The sound of this Epiphone is amazing. And to be honest, I can't beat the sound and playability of it even if I spent three times as much as I did on the Epiphone 12-string Hummingbird. This year, I dove headfirst into the carbon fiber guitar lake. Then I dove along with Emerald Guitars from Ireland. I bought my long-desired harp guitar first. It's called the Synergy, and it's more than I had ever hoped for. Then, during Emerald Guitars' anniversary sale, I went whole hog, and I bought a double-neck Chimera, which is 12-string over 6-string, as well as the Virtuo, their electric acoustic. I've written about all of them, and I'll tell you, both the Synergy X20 Harp and the Chimera, which are acoustics with pickups, 
sound absolutely amazing. And when I record them, no one can tell that there's no wood involved. Carbon fiber is not always equal. And Emerald's methodology is better than anything else I've ever heard. The guitars also come with very high-end fitments. They all have stainless steel frets, for example, and they sound awesome, plugged into my AER amps, and surprisingly even sound good into that notoriously nasal Fishman Loudbox Professional that's been holding carpeting down for, well, well over 10 years, and we'll leave it at that. The Virtuo of all the electric acoustics that I've tried, which includes the Acoustasonics and the Taylors and the Godaz, is the only one where I really love the instrument. It plays like an electric, so fast and smooth. However, when I use that stereo out and split the signal between electric guitar amp and acoustic guitar amp, it sounds brilliant. And not surprisingly, those Graftech Ghost Piezos are the first piezo pickups I've ever used that I can use without an EQ and a compressor in front of the amplifier. I'm so thrilled with the Emerald Guitars products that I've even become an ambassador for the company. I often find myself in a position where there's a guitar I want, but it's not in a store. So I have to order it. About two years and change ago, I ordered a Sewer Classic JM, which is a humbucker-equipped offset similar in look to a Jazzmaster. The Sewer Classic JM is brilliant and plays like magic, and it sounds glorious. Now, when I look at what it costs compared to a Fender USA Jazzmaster, and I'm not talking custom shop, I'm going to say that you'd have to be nuts to buy a Fender over a Sewer. If you go to the Fender Custom Shop models, well, you're going to get better quality than the Fender generic US builds, but they're way more pricey and they're still not as well built as what you're going to get in a Sewer factory guitar. I love that guitar so much that I'm already money down and will wait a couple more years for the same model, but equipped with Soar's P90s. Speaking of waiting, about two years prior to delivery, I also ordered a Paul Reed Smith Core Series DGT. I wanted it in Iriza Verde, which is a beautiful metallic kind of green. And I wanted a real DGT. The neck carve is different. The fittings and layout is different. It's an amazing instrument. I waited a long time and I was very happy. And I was incredibly surprised that it arrived in time for Cosmo Fest. Cosmo being a big store in my area. Sadly, even though Paul Reed Smith and David Grissom were going to be there... Their factory, DGT, didn't make the trip. And so even before 
I got to play my DGT, it was played live on stage by Dave Grissom, the guy who designed the whole idea behind the guitar. Even Paul played it, and he thought, this is a really, really great example. They're really nice fellows, and I enjoyed spending time with them, and they both signed the guitar. That's less important than how awesome it is to me, and I'm a big PRS fan. Folks who know me personally know that I own more PRS brand guitars than any other electric guitar. I've been at this a very long time. The DGT is fabulous. It's so playable. And while I had to wait two years for it, I'm so happy that I did. It's awesome. Speaking of PRS, I haven't had much success with any of the PRS SE guitars. Well, I find that they're very well put together. No matter what I did, everyone I tried was, eh, whatever. They didn't have that thing that we players sometimes kick into right away when we pick up an instrument. So I was surprised when I tried an Angelus A60E acoustic. Remember I talked about that thing? Sometimes you know right away whether a guitar will work for you or not. And the A60E worked for me right from the word go. I tried the instruments in the Tonari line. I'd also tried the Angelus A40 and the A50. But for me, the A60E is a completely different beast. It plays a dream, it stays in tune, and it's super stable as it lives outside of a case all the time. And even the Paizo, which is admittedly PRS tuned, sounds good without an EQ and a compressor up front. Now that's of course into an AER amp because those are the AER amps that I use every time I play an acoustic through an amplifier. I give some credit for an expense I made to Mr. Phil McKnight, whose YouTube channel is brilliant if you don't watch it and you're a real guitar dork like I am. Well, you should. I learned of a tiny handmade tube amp. These tube amps are built one by one by a fellow named Dave Kowalski company is D. Kowalski Amplifiers, and the box was so inexpensive when I saw it online that I ordered one that evening. Now, it did take several months to arrive, and when I reached out to Dave, he was very honest that he's the only guy, and his backlog was pretty big. I ordered the Dark Gene Red model, which has two channels. The green has one. This little tube amp is very small and puts out only half a watt. It's not loud enough for a gig, but it's definitely loud enough to awaken and potentially annoy your housemates. When I got it, I used it exclusively through a PRS Stealth 2x12 cabinet. But I've recently had to move it to a new location and I'm using one of those tiny little orange 1x8 cabs. It's still a killer tiny tube amp and blows away everything else in its class. 
Full kudos to Dave for building a fabulous amplifier. After hearing nothing but slamming about Spark amps for many years, I decided to give the Spark 40 a try. The Spark 40 blew me away. Yes, it's all DSP and it is Class D 40 watts, so it's not nearly as potentially loud as my Class A Tone King Gremlin, and I fully accept that the Spark system is doing interesting work with computational audio. The simple fact is that the Spark 40 sounds great and is a dream to use. While there are still those who say that the Sparks are not real amps, I say that some of those folks who make that claim should probably actually play one before sharing their opinion. I was so impressed that I then bought a Spark Mini because I wanted a portable battery-powered amp, believing that there was no way that the tiny Spark Go could possibly sound decent through its tiny speaker. I use the Mini regularly in my shop workspace. It takes no room, and it's perfect to do a variety of sound checks on guitars where I've been working on them myself or for friends, so long as I have the skill to do so. The Spark Mini sounds amazing for its tiny size. Because I was so impressed, when I received notice of an Amazon sale on the Spark Go, while I was expecting little, and also kind of expected that I'd have to take advantage of Amazon's flexible return policy, I bought one. This action resulted in one of this year's most popular articles where I stated clearly that I was completely wrong in my expectations. The Spark Go sounds amazing. Yes, of course, there's computational audio being used, but the point is the thing sounds terrific. I don't care about the computational stuff because the amp sounds great. You can even use it as a DI box over USB, and of course the whole thing is controlled via the app on your smartphone. Over the last couple of years, I've been recommending the excellent Boss Katana as a perfect home amplifier, but I've changed my tune in this past year to recommend Spark. Pick the model based on the volume that you need. I think that I use the Spark Go more than either of the two others these days because for late night practice, it and a short guitar cable sit in a case on the nightstand whenever I need it, and when I don't want to disturb others. Next up, I want to talk a little bit about the subject of amp simulations in software for use either directly or in your digital audio workstation. In 2022, I had the wonderful opportunity to review the Blackstar St. James Combo Amps, and I liked them a lot. But... At $16.99 Canadian, the cost is more than I was willing to spend for another amp. And I'm told regularly that there are already far too many amps around here. When Blackstar announced their St. James plugins, now called the St. James Suite, I took advantage of the free trial, and in recording and testing, they sounded and responded brilliantly. So I spent the about a hundred bucks to get the whole suite, which delivers to you two different tube amp simulations, 
multiple cabinets, multiple microphones with placement and distance control. And this plug-in set will run either as a standalone or in the DAW. The user interface is brilliant, particularly their cab sim tools. It's an absolutely amazing plug-in. And again, that suite includes two different amps. One based on a 6L6 and one based on EL34s. The other route that I've taken in this particular space was with the folks at Neural. I already own a Quad Cortex, and I still believe it's the best of the bunch of these higher-end true profiler slash modeler devices. Profilers and modelers are different things. The Quad Cortex is a true profiler. However, Neural also makes amp slash cabinet slash mic sim plugins that can run standalone or as plugins to the DAW. The first one that I bought was the Tone King Imperial Mark II because I own the real amp. And this was a great way to get a sense of how good the neural plugin would be. It sounds and reacts like a real Imperial Mark II. I love it. So once I was sold on this idea, I next bought their Soldano SLO 100 plugin. I mentioned earlier the Soldano Mini. I don't own a real SLO 100, and while I have heard them live and on record, what matters to me most is what they sound like when I play through them. The sound from this plugin is glorious. The plugin runs on any of my Macs, and with decent monitors, it sounds amazing. By now, I'm pretty impressed and expect greatness in every one forward. So I next bought the Mesa Boogie Mark II C Plus Neural Plugin Set. I do own an original Mesa Boogie Mark V, the more powerful one. And the plugin sounds bang on to my Mark V when it's set up running in Mark II C mode. It's an incredible way to get the sound of what is basically now an unattainable little amplifier. And believe me, it sounds like a boogie. When I started looking at bass plugins years ago, I went for ones for the Ampeg SVT. That's the bass amp that I always wanted but never had the space for. And by that, I mean the full 810 cabinet. I wanted the sound of other amps as well. And while I have great options in my Quad Cortex, including Mark Bass and Ampeg and some dark glass, and I've used that live a little bit, mostly for DI recording, but I wanted something that was very simple for the studio. So I decided to go with Neural's dedicated dark glass bass amp plug-in set. Bassists to know know that dark glass amps have a unique tone and that they're very flexible. In this plug-in set, you're well served by the real sound of dark glass for recording purposes. The last thing that I want to mention as I wrap things up is the importance of community. And I've found over the last few years 
that there are some really, really talented folks out in the YouTube world. The one guy I'm going to always recommend is Keith Williams from 5 Watt World. Keith does this stuff because he loves it. His research is impeccable. And he's just a genuinely wonderful guy. So if you've not watched the episodes on YouTube from 5 Watt World, you should. You might find that you're missing the kind of people that you want to be interacting with, particularly if where you're located doesn't have a huge music scene. 2023 was an excellent year for me from a musical and musician perspective. I have no idea what the future will bring, but at this point, I'm surprised to find that I have nothing on my wish list. I have more guitars and basses than I can ever use effectively, and to be candid, the same is true for amps and for pedals. I have good, stable computers, excellent interfaces and monitors, as well as a pretty decent microphone cabinet by this time. I will build at least one more guitar next year as I finally finished my first build. And I'll spend more time learning to play my instruments better. I do recommend Truefire as a great online source for guitar lessons and to continue to improve my engineering and production skills in the hopes of continuing to offer those services to those wanting to record their own music, but without the financial wherewithal to hire a better-known engineer or producer, or to rent a studio filled with gear. Again, I'm going to recommend the Produce Like a Pro YouTube channel with Warren Hart. Warren is a proven producer. He's also very personable. And he answers actual questions and comments that you make directly. A really, really talented and good individual. Thank you so much for listening and for your support of the channel. You'll still hear more from me, if you choose to listen, in 2024. Now, if you found this episode interesting, don't forget to click subscribe to be notified of new content. Do feel free to leave a comment or send in a question. I read and respond to all. And if for some reason you haven't checked out the articles at thatguitarlover.com, please do have a look. There's material there that doesn't fit a podcast. I'm Ross Chevalier, and I wish you peace and health.